What is up, Grumlaw? We are so glad that you are joining us for online worship today. And I'm super excited because we are starting a brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be taking a look at some prayers from Scripture and who prayed the prayers, why we would consider them to be dangerous prayers, and what the result of those prayers were. So I think it's appropriate, since we're talking about prayer today, uh, that we would start our time off this morning in prayer. Uh, But also, we want to take a minute and just pause and just recognize that uh, there's some things going on around our world right now that, that we also want to pray about. I'm sure you've heard about everything that's happening in Afghanistan um, and the takeover of the government there. And um, we know that God loves the people of Afghanistan just like he loves you and me. And as followers of Jesus, we should care about that. We should care about the fact that they have a lot of doubts and fears right now and uncertainty about their future. And so we just want to recognize that as well well as the, uh, the earthquake that happened in Haiti and, and what people are going through there. So as we pray for this series, we just also want to pray for those things as well. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that you are the God of heaven and earth and that you are in control of all things. And Lord, I, I just pray um, for what we're seeing around our world right now, for the people of Haiti uh, and the earthquake, that you would just bring healing and peace there. For the people of Afghanistan, Lord, that, that you would just bring peace and comfort to that situation. We know that you are the God of the nations. We know that you hold the universe in your hands. So we just pray, um, Lord, uh, that you would be in each of those situations. And God, we thank you for this new series that we're diving into, that we're talking about prayer. We thank you that we can come to you, that we can Uh, give you our requests that you want to hear from us, that you desire to have conversations with us. And so, Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you would say, just right where you are, wherever you're listening or watching this service, how many of you would say that you believe in the power of prayer? that you believe that prayer is our way, that we can talk directly to God and that we can talk to the one true God and that prayer is a powerful thing. Just answer that question to yourself, just wherever you are. Do you believe in the power of prayer? And on the flip side of that, even if you believe in the power of prayer, how many of you feel like maybe your prayer life isn't where it should be? Maybe it's not as strong as it should be. Uh, Maybe you don't pray as often as you should. Well, as followers of Jesus, we know that, that we have access to go boldly before the throne of God in prayer, but so many times our prayers just don't look like we believe that. Our prayers don't sound like we believe that we can actually go to the throne of God. And I think that that happens for different reasons. I think that maybe there are times that we're just not as committed to prayer as we should be. That, and prayer is just like anything else. If, if you want to be good at prayer, it's going to take practice. If you want to be good at a sport, it takes a lot of practice. If you want to be good at a musical instrument, it takes a lot of practice. If you want to have strong relationships, you have to work on those relationships. And the same goes for our prayer life. If we want to have a strong prayer life, we have to put time and effort into it. And maybe for some of us, maybe we're new to our faith and we're new to being a follower of Jesus and we're just not sure how or what we should pray. And I totally understand that, especially if we're new in our faith. Or or maybe we're intimidated by other Christians and, and that maybe their prayers sound a little more mature than our sound. Or maybe as they're praying, they're able to do things like include scripture and quote scripture from the Bible in their prayers. But the thing is, our, when we pray, it's, it's not about the words we use. It's not about how much scripture we fill our prayers with. 
It's all about having a conversation with God. I can remember when I was in middle school, uh, one of our teachers was such a, a great example of, of prayer. And I went to a private Christian school and uh, our history teacher, his name was Mr. O'Neill. Like I said, just such a great example of prayer, not because he specifically taught us about prayer, uh, but he set the example. And we can rem- I can remember that when we first heard him pray, it, it kind of took us by surprise. We were kind of shocked by the way that he prayed because for the first time, we all were hearing someone pray as if they were just talking to their best friend. His, his, the conversation was so casual. He would say silly things in his prayers. He would crack jokes in his prayers. And a lot of us had never witnessed anything like that. And a lot of us had never heard someone pray in that way. And at the time, we just thought it was kind of funny. But looking back now, I realize what a great example of prayer he was for the rest of us and how much I learned from that and learned that it's not about using churchy sounding words. There's not a quota of scripture that we have to include in our prayers. It's about a conversation with our heavenly father. And so if we feel like our prayer life isn't where it needs to be, if we feel like our prayer life is a little weaker than it should be, Maybe the issue isn't the actual words that we are using during our prayers, but the fact that our prayers aren't bold enough. We have access to God, the creator of the universe, and sometimes the best thing that we can come up with in our prayers is, God, help me to have a good day, or or, God, be with me, or or, God, bless and watch over my family. And, And I'm not minimizing those things. I'm not saying those things aren't important. God cares about every little part of our life. But maybe the issue isn't that we are bad at prayer. Maybe it's the fact that we aren't bold enough. And maybe we need to pray the prayer, make me bold. Maybe that's the prayer that we need to pray. And that's the prayer that was prayed in the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4 and 5. And the book of Acts follows the four gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Jesus' life. And then the book of Acts tells the story of the early church uh, in the New Testament. And so as we dive into Acts chapter 4, we see that in Acts chapter 3, two of the apostles, Peter and John, were going to the temple one day. And as they were going to the temple, there was a a crippled man at the gate. And and this crippled man was carried there every single day because he was crippled. He couldn't walk, so he couldn't work. He couldn't provide for himself. So people would carry him there and help him there so that he could beg for money and food. And so as Peter and John were walking by, this crippled man asked them for money. And they said, we don't have money that we can give you, but we do have the power of Jesus and we can pray for you. And so they prayed that this man would be healed and immediately he was healed. His legs, his knees, his ankles, his feet were strengthened and he was able to, in that moment, jump up and start walking. And he followed Peter and John into the temple and he was jumping and leaping and praising God, which got everyone's attention because they recognized him as the crippled man that was at the temple gates every single day. And so this drew a, a, a big crowd. And so Peter and John began to, uh, to preach about Jesus. They be, he began to tell people about the hope that they could find in Jesus. And they were teaching very, very boldly. And so this got the attention of the priests, the religious leaders, and the captain of the temple guard. There, there would have been a guard or a group of soldiers that kept order in the temple. And so uh, the captain of the guard and also the Sadducees, and they were a powerful religious group that, that profited through the Jewish religion and worship at the temple. And they were in cooperation with the Roman Empire, which was the most powerful nation in the world at that time. 
but also the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the supernatural. So they didn't believe in healing. They didn't believe in resurrection from the dead. So the fact that Peter and John had healed this man through God's power and the fact that they were preaching about Jesus' resurrection, uh, they were disturbed by this. And so they seized Peter and John and put them in jail over the, uh, overnight. And the next day, they asked them, by what power or what name did you do this? By what power or what name did you heal this man? So as we look in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, uh, this is the answer that Peter gives to the religious leaders. He says, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he, the crippled man, was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And so you have to picture this scene. Peter and John have been surrounded. Literally, they would have been surrounded in a circle by the religious leaders. And this would have been a very intimidating moment because the religious leaders were very powerful. They could have Peter and John thrown in jail. They could have them whipped and flogged and in cooperation with the Romans could even have them put to death. And so Peter and John were arrested for preaching the gospel. And yet Peter still delivers the words from that passage that you are the ones that crucified Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. That was an extremely bold thing to say in that moment. Because remember the Sadducees, they, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So Peter's words were a direct threat to their way of life, to their power and authority, which they absolutely wanted to protect. So let's keep reading in Acts chapter four, verse 13. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And so the religious leaders, they recognized the fact that Peter and John had actually spent time with Jesus, that they were two of the men that followed Jesus around. And, but also the, the verse says that, that the, the religious leaders were amazed. They were in awe of the boldness of Peter and John because these are just normal everyday guys. They were ordinary. They didn't have any special training. They, they didn't have the same education that the religious leaders had. The religious leaders were very well-educated people. They studied the Torah, which were the first five books of the Old Testament and had much of the scripture memorized. And they followed all the laws in the Old Testament and so they're so amazed that Peter and John were able to speak this boldly. They, they weren't trained as leaders. They weren't trained as public speakers, yet here they were with all these crowds growing and listening to their teaching. When we look at that word ordinary, one of the ways that we can define that out from the original uh, Greek language actually defines out to the word idiota. And yeah, you can guess exactly where that's going. That's where we get our English word for idiot. And so the religious leaders, they're saying, how in the world are these ordinary guys, these idiots, if you will, how are they able to speak this boldly? And how are they able to do these things? You know, I was in a, a life group once at a previous church that my wife and I attended. And uh, we, we were at group one night and we had gotten to the point of group where we were gonna spend some time in prayer. And some people had given some prayer requests, some prayer concerns, some things that were going on in, in their life. And so we were kind of dividing those things up between the group, different people were gonna pray. And in our group, we had a guy that was a, a, a pretty new follower uh, of Jesus. He was new to church. And we were surprised when he volunteered to, to pray for 
one of one of the prayer uh, prayer requests. And, and so we thought it was awesome. We were happy for him that he was willing to take that bold step and and pray out loud so soon into his faith journey. Um, so we started praying, and there was a few people that prayed before him, and then it got to his turn. And you could tell that he was really nervous, but for the first few sentences, he did really, really well. And then he got to a point where he just got stuck and he didn't know what to say and he got frustrated and he got more and more nervous and literally out loud in front of the entire group, he said, I'm such an idiot, such an idiot, right in the middle of his prayer. And a few people, you know, of course, we're trying not to laugh, but also we feel really bad for the guy. And so a few people were saying, you know, it's okay, just keep going, keep going. And so he kept going. He got a couple more sentences out, and then he got stuck again. And out loud, he says, I'm so stupid. And so again, we're, we're trying not to laugh, but we feel really bad for the guy. And, and so people encourage him, and he gets through the prayer. But the thing we have to realize is that God heard that prayer as much as anybody else's prayer. No matter how much more mature, how much more smooth the other prayer sounded, God heard his prayer as well. See, God often uses the unlikely to do remarkable things. All of the disciples were ordinary men that did ordinary things in their life, but God used them to explode the church in the book of Acts. And when we think about even the Old Testament, people like Abraham, who God built the Israelite nation out of his descendants, Abraham was from a country called Ur, and in Ur, they worshiped pagan gods. And so Abraham's father would have worshiped pagan gods. And in those days, you would worship the same God that your father did. But God called Abraham out of that, out of that country to go build this great nation out of him. And then you think of someone like Moses, Moses, who God used to lead the, uh, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses was, was a murderer. He had murdered an Egyptian soldier and, and, when God, and, and was on the run. And then when God called him to go back to Egypt to lead the Israelites out of slavery, we find in the passage that, that Moses had a speech impediment. So God uses this man that has a speech impediment to go to the most powerful man in the world at, at the time, Pharaoh, and say, all these people that you have in slavery doing all of your work for you, you're gonna need to let them go. See, God uses some really unlikely people to do remarkable things. And if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us are more qualified than a lot of the people that God used in the Bible. So what could he do through our lives if we prayed the prayer, make me bold? What could he accomplish through us? Because that's exactly the prayer that Peter and John prayed in Acts chapter four, verse 29. And in, in this verse, the, the religious leaders had let Peter and John go because they just weren't sure what to do with them. And so this is what Peter and John pray. They say, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. So they had been warned by the religious leaders, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. They had been threatened they knew what would happen to them. They knew how the religious leaders operated. They knew that, that the religious leaders cared about their power and cared about their authority more than anything else. They had even just watched these same religious leaders crucify Jesus, but they weren't concerned about themselves. Peter and John didn't pray, God, keep us safe. They didn't pray, God, protect us. They, they didn't pray, God, give us a nice, comfy, trouble-free life. 
They didn't ask God, don't let anything bad happen to us. Instead, they prayed to God to continue to give them the great boldness to preach about Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. They continued to preach boldly and crowds gathered not just in Jerusalem, but they were coming from outside of Jerusalem as well. And more and more people placed their faith in Jesus. More and more people began to believe. The passage actually tells us that at this point, 5,000 men believe in Jesus. And that's just the men. So when you add in the women and children, that's thousands of people who are placing their faith in Jesus because of how boldly the apostles are teaching about Jesus. And not only that, people were bringing the sick and the injured and they were being healed, every single one of them. And this certainly was getting the attention of the high priests and the Sadducees. And they were jealous. They were jealous of, of the, the, the crowds that Peter and John were, uh, were gathering and the other apostles. They were jealous of the things that they were accomplishing. And so once again, they arrest Peter and John and they put them in jail. And so let's take a look at Acts chapter five, verses 18 through 20. And this is what happens when Peter and John are in jail. It says, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. And I, I gotta believe that Peter and John had to be thinking in this moment, are you serious? You want us to keep preaching about Jesus. We've been arrested three times now. We've been arrested three times and you want us to go back into the temple and do the exact thing that's gotten us arrested. But that's exactly what they did the very next morning. They didn't wait they didn't take a break. They didn't say, you know what, let's give this a couple days and, and let things settle down. Then we'll slowly start preaching and teaching again. No, immediately they started teaching again. The very next morning, they were actually in the temple courts preaching and teaching before the religious leaders even realized that they were gone, that they were no longer in the jail. And the religious leaders were gathered discussing what they should do about Peter and John and they called for them. And that's when they realized that they weren't in a jail. And so they found them preaching in the temple court. They brought them in again and continued to threaten the apostles. But eventually they let them go because they just didn't know what to do about how they were teaching. But this time they beat them and they flogged them. And what that would look like is they would use a rod or a whip uh, to, to beat them on, on the back. And they could do that 39 times according to Jewish law. But even with that, the threat of being put in jail, the threat of being flogged and beaten, they never stopped teaching in the temple courts and in homes about the good news of Jesus. Make me bold. It's a dangerous prayer. And it may not always come with, with comfortable results. And so maybe you're thinking, as you're listening today, maybe you're thinking, why would I want that for my life? Why would I ask for that? Why would I want to potentially be put in an uncomfortable situation? And if you're thinking that, and if you're asking that, I can totally, totally relate. I'm not the most bold person in the world. Actually, when I was younger, I was extremely shy and introverted and backwards and had a lot of fears and anxieties. So the idea of asking God to make me bold, that raises my anxiety level a little bit too. And it makes me uh, nervous about what that could possibly mean, what God might call me to do. But the reason why we would ask God to make us bold, we've actually already read it in Acts chapter five, verse 20, when the angel of the Lord said this to Peter and John, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. 
It's because we have this message of life, the good news of Jesus. We have the hope of the world. That's why we would ask God to make us bold. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus stepped down off of his throne, humbled himself as a servant, that he took on the punishment that all of us deserve, that he died on the cross, three days later raised from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating Satan, and then giving us a way to forgiveness and salvation and eternal life with him. If you believe that and you are a follower of Jesus, you have the most powerful message in the world. You have the message that can literally change people's eternity. So that's why. That's why we would pray that prayer, make me bold. And what could God do through your life if you prayed that? What could God do through the life of your family? What could God do in your family if you prayed that prayer, make me bold? And so here's what I want to do today. Uh, we have two possible bold steps that I, that I want to challenge you with. The first bold challenge is this. On September 12th, we are having our next baptism service at both campuses, Grand Blank and Heartland. And as an adult, if you have never gone public with your faith and been baptized, this is the opportunity for you to do that, for you to take that bold step uh, to, to go public with your faith. And if you would like to make that happen, you can text Grumlaw to 94,000 and then follow the baptism prompts. And really, this is kind of your last chance to get signed up for September 12th because we film stories of everyone who, who gets baptized here at Grumlaw and we want to share your stories because we believe that your story will lead to someone else's story being told. So the first bold challenge is go public with your faith in baptism. The second bold challenge is this. Find a piece of paper, uh, find an index card um, and, and a pen and take a few minutes and think about how God wants you to be bold in your life. What is the prayer that you've been holding back? What is that thing that maybe you feel God is calling you to do, but you haven't quite done it? Who's that person that, that you've had on your mind that maybe you should share your faith with, but you just haven't quite been bold enough to do it? Write that prayer down on that piece of paper or that card and hold on to that. And I challenge you this week to pray that bold prayer every single day from now until next Sunday. And I believe if you pray that bold prayer every day, God is gonna open doors for you and God is gonna answer you and speak to you. Make me bold. It's a dangerous prayer, but it's an extremely powerful prayer.